This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. It's a Sunday Kind of Love. I'm Maya Tan. I'm really excited about today's show because I have two extraordinary gentlemen joining me today. Michael Simon is of Dutch and Venezuelan heritage and is in town for the 10th Venezuelan Week, hosted by the Embassy of the Bolivarian Republic of Venezuela in Malaysia. He'll be performing in a number of shows at No Black Tie. Do check out the NBT website if you're interested. Uh, Michael is a jazz musician, composer, an educator and the trumpet is his weapon of choice. I'm going to be speaking to him in a bit and he's even going to help me do some storytelling today. What what? And there's a little story I wrote some time ago about five mobsters having a seemingly uneventful evening. But as always, the unexpected crops up. And to help me tell the story is also BFM luminary Ezra Zaid. We're not all luminaries, but Ezra is. He's going to be lending his voice to the story while Michael Simon infuses the tale with his melodious trumpet and this is all live improvisation so it's going to be quite a treat but first let's say hello to Michael Simon hailing all the way from the Netherlands welcome Michael thank you very much Maya nice to be here I understand that you're here as part of the 10th Venezuelan week in Kuala Lumpur That's right. what's the connection Netherlands and Venezuela well I'm originally born in Venezuela and grew up there on the side of my mother there are Venezuelans mm-hmm. on the side of my dad there my dad is from the Dutch Antilles, Curaçao, so that's how I have the connection with Holland. And uh, when I was looking for a, a school to study jazz, which was the music I wanted to play when I decided to become a musician, uh, Holland was the first option to me. You oh, know? why? So that's, well, uh, I was looking for a school where, where I could study jazz trumpet. And um, at the time, my dad was based in, in Curaçao, in the Dutch Antilles. And it was uh, the some teachers from the conservatory in Rotterdam, they went there to do auditions. And I made my audition there. And they decided that I was good to go, you know, for the school. So um, I decided just to give it a shot. So uh, that's how I ended up in Holland. Right. Yeah. Tell me about yeah. one of your earliest memories of music. Mm-hmm. And you know, does your heritage, whether it's Dutch or Venezuelan, did it have any influence on you? For sure. I come from a musical family. My family are are almost like party music animals. <laughs> so How lovely. They, yeah, they. You know, uh, my my older brothers, two older brothers of mine, are professional musicians, and they started before me already in the house, keeping the musical atmosphere in the house the whole time. They had a band. They would rehearse almost every day at home we had different kinds of instruments in the house so me at four five years old I was already running around the house messing up with the instruments and going on the piano and just banging the drums and banging here and there so for me it was like really unavoidable to get in touch and get in love with music you know and uh, uh, I remember my dad used to um, enjoy himself uh, you know every time there was visit at home and he was so proud of us that we could play some music you know we weren't like really very good but he he just one loved to show his guests that his his kids could play you know so every time we had visit they ca- he called us up come edward come marlon come sing a song with f- for the guests you know so so we were always trying to hide you know <laughs> 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 try not to do it but i mean that was the way 
that we got involved with you know playing and really f developing a love and, and determination to be with music you know? and your parents were also musicians my dad yes he he loved he's crazy about latin boleros mm. so he's a, uh, a lover of, of playing guitar and singing yeah romantic music basically that's a great musical heritage that you've got there yeah so it was not a question at all that you were going to be yeah. involved in the music business. Yeah, you know, after that, uh, I experimented, like my brothers, with different instruments. And there was a time where my older brother, Marlon, he was playing trumpet for a little while, for like a year. And they used to practice together, Marlon and Ed. I used to watch them, you know, play the horns, wind instruments. And it uh, had an attraction in me, you know, I liked the instruments. So once he... He left the trumpet. I asked him if I could try it out. He said, yeah, sure, just use it, you know, and he, t he taught me a bit how to play it. And from there, it was, you know, it was my choice. The trumpet, I love the trumpet. And then when I said I want to study trumpet, my brothers uh, started giving me some music. And, and it was the first time, I think I was about nine or 10, that I heard uh, trumpeters like Miles Davis, Winter Marsalis, so this was my first contact with jazz music, which was the first thing music I fell in love with. And I started going to the music school at age 12 in Venezuela. And then um, at age uh, 16, I start getting also a lot into Cuban music. I love Caribbean music. In Venezuela, we have tradition for a lot of dance music, you know, uh, Cuban, Caribbean, like salsa, like merengue, like bachata, like all these styles which are very danceable music. So uh, in Cuba, there, there was a very famous band called Iraqueres. Cuban music, but very jazzy with jazz influences. And I, I saw them live one time and it was, the, the moment I decided, wow, I, I really would love to do something like this. So I went to Cuba. I was studying in Cuba for two years in uh, 1989 till 91. Till it was a great experience, you know, it made me, I was 16 years old, living alone in Cuba, you know. Wow. And uh, yeah, actually. It's very brave. Yeah, actually, my mom didn't want it, you know. She was like, oh no, this kid, he's too young for that, you know. So I had to convince her. My dad had to convince her. Also. And she actually accompanied me the first time there, stayed with me a week, you know, just to check where I'm going to stay, how, where's my school, how am I going to get to school, what I'm going to eat, you know, the whole, the whole thing. And um, yeah, it went. It went fine. It was not easy, but I learned a lot. It made me strong for the rest of my life. And then from there you went on to uh, Amsterdam. Yes, from there on, uh, well, I was uh, uh, for a year in Curaçao because at the time my dad had separated from my mom and he went back to live in Curaçao. And uh, I was there for like a year, you know, just playing with local jazz bands and, and Caribbean music bands, salsa bands. And But I was looking for a jazz school because jazz was my passion. I really wanted to learn jazz. So this when I got contact with the teachers from the Rotterdam's conservatory, 
then uh, yeah i immediately uh, sign up for my uh, exam you know and uh, they said yeah you can come you know you're ready and so in 1993 i went to holland yeah, and i've been there since now your musical influences well from the beginning i mentioned miles davis already Irakere, of course. Well, I must say, my brothers have been like my mentors, you know. In a, in, in, they have been a big influences in me because they started before me and they got me really going into the jazz thing, you know. And they, they also have each one a career of their own with many albums, you know. And, and I've been following their career, you know, from each step. And every time I get together with them, we, we play and we exchange ideas and I learn from them. And it must be like a big jam session. Yes, really. It's when, when you play in family situation, it's really something special. It's different. even have to communicate sometimes right no. you, know, yeah. you know each other yeah because there's a certain energy going on the family energy that is not the same when you play with other people we it's like we feel very connected you know and uh, we have pretty much the same taste you know in kind of in, in what we like and what the way we love to play you know? yeah so progressions and all that you understand right you know what's coming up next yeah yeah well oh, that's amazing I, I just can't imagine do you ever tell stories with your music in the music that you compose that you play oh yes mm. and oh, how, yes. how do you do that well you know I love to to arrange music I mean I use the term arrange but you know like what I've been doing lately a lot like with my new uh, production CD that I made here in Kuala Lumpur I recorded live at the No Black Tie Club last February and it's been released this month uh, it's been a work of uh, research and encountering uh, Asian melodies from Malaysia and from China that have inspired me a lot to to um, find a new identity inside me you know and make it my own so i i really learned about the songs what the composer was trying to convey you know and what the messages are and and and, and especially what attracted me to to this music is that there's a sense of uh, uh, groundedness in the music it's like the uh, the character of the composer is like so clear to me you know it's a very defined 
character. So I, I, I look for that in me too, you know. Who am I really inside without any influence?、Mm. Uh, how can I get to my essence? You know, that's what I've been learning coming here a lot.、Uh, I'm also studying with、uh, Master Dian Vimal, who's a, a world-renowned master based here in Kuala Lumpur, and he's. You could call him like a spiritual master, even though Hilson really liked to be calling. But it's 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 just a person that knows a lot about the human race and life. And with him, I've been learning a lot about going inside and really learning about the internal world and discovering your own essence. How、so、would you describe your essence? Well, <laughs> is. Still you know, discovering. It's still discovering. It's a process because when you really start to discover、uh, what are the things that make you, you can encounter more and more that is formless. I、know? understand that. You know,、yeah. so、uh, formless gives you a lot of space for possibilities. You know,、uh, very open to adjust and create new. You know,、yeah. create the new. The master Dianvimal used to tell me, "Your essence is you are the creator of the new." Wow! You know, and I didn't get to understand it until recently. You know that I've been discovering. Oh, now I know what he means. I am formless. Therefore, if I take a song and I give it my own interpretation, I can. It can become something new.、Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm using the melodies as they are. So it's really authentic. You know, composition, but I give it my own breath, my own voice to the music. So、wow. that's what I do. That's what every musician essentially needs to find,、yes. but not everyone can do it. So important.、Yeah. When I think about my own essence, for example, I actually see colors. I don't know how to communicate it. Yeah. And that's quite freeing, right?、Yeah. Like I don't have to use words to describe、yeah. my essence or、yeah. whatever it is. Anyway.、Yeah. The trumpet. I find that horn instruments are very close to the human voice. Yes. You know, you take a breath and then something comes out.、Um, there's vibrato if you like. There's long. There's short. You know.、Um, tell me about the language of the trumpet. Well, I could say it's a very heroic instrument. It can be、uh, used in a way to really wake up people. You know, like really to. I mean, it can be. Used in a very strong sound, the sound can be very penetrating, you know, and very awakening. But at the same time, you can play very s- mellow and very soft, like a singer, you know. And since it's a wind instrument, the instrument is very much related to your own body. Breathing. Yeah. So the the condition in which your body is will make A very big influence in your sound on the trumpet. That's why all people sound different. 
even though it's the same instrument, people will sound different. The condition of your body makes a big influence. The instrument is just an extension of your body. But actually where the sound is starting is here, on your lip. And not, and not even there. Before that, there's already a form with your breathing system and your whole body that is making the shape of your sound. So it's very much linked to your, to your body. So before you can play a wind instrument very good, or at least a trumpet, you have to know your body very well. Wow. Yeah, that's the other discovery I've been learning and learning about. If you could play for yeah. anyone, dead or alive, in the universe as we know it, who would you play for? Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, I once had the opportunity to, to play for Nelson Mandela, for example, and, and, and Prince Alexander. This, they were together in a, in a convention in South Africa, and that was very special, you know. They gave a little speech before the concert, and we got to to play for them, you know. And it's special in a way that there's a, a certain certain nervousness because you want to do good, you know. But at the same time, it, I felt very embraced, you know, by the energy and by the contact, you know. So this was very special. So yeah, people like this, you know. I love I love to play for all people. I mean, it doesn't matter really. Mm-hmm. who it is. I've played for for poor kids in Senegal, for example, in Mali or in countries, you know, where in the middle of nowhere, just for free, you know, you play. And music always touches people. It doesn't matter what race, what uh, social situation, you know, you can always connect with music because it's vibrations. Music is vibrations. It's not only about the notes or the text the lyrics is vibrations and it will always connect with people when it's done from a good energy you know from a energy of celebration energy of love all right yeah. well you're playing at uh, no black tie again yes. very soon as part of the 10th venezuelan week in kl from october 19th to the 31st uh, what are the dates we can catch you and what can we expect from the show okay well the next one is uh monday the 19th i'm playing at the opening of the venezuelan week and uh, this show is in the night at uh, 8 30 in the night uh, i'm going to be with uh, my local band presenting some songs from the new cd from the destiny's will cd and uh, i'm going to be playing some venezuelan music as well since it's the venezuelan week uh, we decided to include some Venezuelan songs in the repertoire and after that we have the Thursday the 22nd I have a quartet at uh, No Black Tie this is going to be interesting it's a new quartet with new music and Friday will be the 23rd will be the sextet I, I played with this it's a new sextet we played last Tuesday with some of the best musicians in Kuala Lumpur. Uh, Patrick Terbrack, saxophone from the United States. Uh, Marcus Young, who's also based here from the United States. Um, we had uh, John Deep Silas on piano, and uh, uh, John Thomas on drums, and Daniel Fung on bass. So they will be 
back with me on the 23rd. It's fabulous. Yeah. So how did you find playing, you know, Malaysian classics like Gataranjiwa and Jiao Jiao? Well, you see, I've been here, coming here like every year, like twice, three times a year. My my wife lives here oh. for six, six, seven years now. Coming here and collaborating with Snow Black Thai. And through this, uh, I've been discovering songs, you know, from the region. And um, when I heard about Peter Ramley, I checked him uh, on YouTube and it sounded to me like, like boleros, like our Latin boleros in Latin America, you know. And this music is really uh, in my heart because growing up as a kid, my dad, he was always into the boleros and he let us sing all the time and we learned the songs. And so to me, it felt like home, you know, even though it's so far away. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. That's how, you know, I really love these songs. Now that you mention it, when you think about the simple happy melodies and yeah. even the sad ones, you know, with all the minor notes, they're actually very similar with uh, the Latin American sort of feel. Yeah. Yeah, I never realized Definitely. that. That's cool. Yeah. So you're going to help me tell a story? Sure. Okay. Sure. We'll be right back after this with Five Tough Guys, a collaborative effort between Ezra Zaid, Michael Simon and myself exclusively on A Sunday Kind of Love on BFM 89.9. Kind of Love, I'm Maya Tan. If you haven't heard, we've got an exciting collaboration happening here on A Sunday Kind of Love for you. Michael Simon, jazz musician and composer, and BFM's very own Ezra Zaid combine their superpowers to help me tell the story of five tough guys. Take it away, fellas. Five tough guys sitting around a fire, Charlie began, dealing cards at the same time. We were sitting around a card table. It was poker night at Charlie's. Hold up, hold up, Charlie, said Roth, scrabbling in his jeans pocket for his mobile phone. What? asked Charlie. It's Harry. He's coming over. Roth looked at his phone. So what? I have to stop telling the story till he gets here? I can't be here if Harry's here, said Jafar, stubbing out his cigarette and getting up. Frickin' bastard has a thing for my kind, he added. Sit down, Jeff, you're with me, and if he's coming over to my house, he can frickin' live with the fact that I have your kind, whatever that means, as guests. You don't understand, Charlie. Harry wouldn't have a problem if Jaffe here didn't clear stick his apparatus up Isabel's jabberwocky, said Roth, sniggering all the way. Jabber what? asked Nash, 
Shut up, Nash, Roth said. Jafar sat down. You did what, Jeffy? Charlie asked, squinting through smoke. The house was so smoky it was like we'd been sizzling steaks on an open grill, indoors, with the windows shut. Jaffe stood up again. Harry's Isabel? Charlie asked, incredulous. Jaffe hung his head. The broad with the botched up boob job? <laughs> Charlie exploded with laughter. We all did too. Jabberwada? asked Nash. Sit down, Jaffe. Let me tell my story. Jaffe sat down. I offered him a cigarette, and he took it. He was just a bagman, but he was a stand-up guy. We'd been out on a small job about two weeks back, out in Berlin, a Mo Green special we had to cover while riding the U-Bahn to Friedrichstrasse. Things had gone slightly wonky, and we'd scraped through, but Jaffe? Jaffe kept his cool. Let me take control of things, and... I liked that. What I absolutely hated was a tough guy who constantly fiddled with his gun like he fiddled with his dick, who didn't know what the safety was for. Isabel who? Asked Nash. Shut up, Nash, I said. Charlie gave Nash the are you going to shut up or are you going to shut up stare and resumed. So, five tough guys sitting around a fire. Hold up, Roth. Charlie gestured to Roth. Hand me that cigar box, will ya? Roth handed it over. Charlie stretched out his hand in front of me to get the cigar box, and I got a whiff of his scent. Tom Ford's Bois American. Cashmere, cigar smoke, and the leather strap of his brightly. The smell of a wise guy with swag. Sorry about that, gentlemen. So, right. Five tough guys sitting around a fire, abandoned warehouse. They built a fire inside a warehouse, Jeffy asked in his clipped London accent. See, that was what I meant. He was inquisitive, didn't leave things to chance. I glanced at his hairy Belafonte hair, dark skin, straight nose, his broad chest. Heck, I mean, if I'd been Isabel, I'd have jumped him too. And so far, I'd been straight. Except for that one time... Well, one time doesn't make you... Doesn't count. Does it? It was the dead of winter. High ceilings, windows smashed in. Post-World War II. Abandoned warehouse? <laughs> Roth, who'd obviously heard the story before, was taking pleasure in telling the story now. His Midwestern accent contrasting with Jaffe's. Everyone stared at Roth. What, so you're telling the story now? Charlie said calmly, looking at his hand of cards. No, Charlie, Roth said, realizing what he'd done. Because, Roth, if you want to tell the story, you go on right ahead. I got no problem with that, said Charlie, lifting his eyes above the hand of cards and giving Roth the benefit of his glare. <laughs> no, 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 Charlie, it's, 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 it's your story. I, I was just, uh, you was just, I was just, no, you, you tell the story, Charlie. I, I mean, I'm, yeah, yeah. Just so we're uh, clear, you want me to tell the story, Charlie said. Yeah, Charlie, it's, it, it's your story and you tell it best. Are you sure, Roth? Charlie said, 
in his deadly serious, deadly calm tone of voice, which we all knew usually preceded disaster. All right, all right, all right, come on, Charlie, Chaffee said cheerfully. Five tough guys, yeah, in an abandoned warehouse, and then what? He was trying to get Charlie to forget Roth and move on. I looked at Jaffe again. This boy had potential and initiative, I thought. What if... Charlie slammed his hand on the table. Do not patronize me, Charlie said, his eyes cast downward but slightly to his right where Jaffe sat. No, Charlie, you're the boss, Jaffe said quietly. I could see the bones ripple under his smooth skin as he clenched his jaw. There was an uncomfortable silence. After what felt like the time it took the Titanic to sink, Charlie shifted back in his chair and said, Give me another scotch, Roth. I could feel the sofa cushion sigh with the rest of the boys. You stuck your jabberwada up her back door, didn't you? Natch said suddenly in a conspiratorial tone to Jaffe, his face red with mirth. Shut up, Nash! We all said. Wait, did you hear that? Natch said. That sound, like a long, low whistle. Charlie turned his head slightly and listened. We all did the same. I'll go check it out, Charlie, I said. I went to the kitchen, looked out the window, went out the back door, poked around, and went back inside. Nothing out there, I said. Five tough guys, boomed Charlie, sitting around the fire in an abandoned warehouse. The war was just over, and one of them had a snake coiled round his hand. Right then, the door flew open. It was Harry. Well, looky here. Five tough guys sitting around a car table. I don't know who Harry shot first. It all happened so fast. For a split second, I thought he was going to shoot me too. Then he said, Well, lover boy, you going to sit there all night? I'm eternally grateful to Michael Simon, jazz trumpeter extraordinaire, and to Ezra Zaid, superstar in his own right. I hope you enjoyed the storytelling here today. Do drop us a line if you did, or send us stories of your own at sundaykindalove at bfm.my. And don't forget to check out Michael Simon at No Black Tie on the 19th, 22nd, and 23rd of October. That's this coming week. His album, Destiny's Will, produced by No Black Tie, will also be on sale with songs such as Guitar and Jiwa and Jiao Jiao in the mix. Before we go, this is a song in a very different vein from today's show, but there's some serious strings on this track, and I kind of fell in love immediately. This is Tough Love 
from Sailor and I, taken off the album of the same name. Till next week, this is Maya Tan, signing off on a Sunday kind of love, BFM 89.9. Something you said Made me lose it again I can't remember the last time You made me feel safe There's no room for love No time for understanding Sometimes I start a fight Just to see if you care Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, the business station.